νομίζω κάνει φοβερή δουλειά στην κοινωνία. Και εγώ το ταξί, το κύριο Hello and welcome to the No Trofdes podcast, the Alpha podcast. I'm delighted to be welcoming back a friend of the network and regular guest of mine. Um, he's been so generous with his time over the years to talk about his superb books. Today's guest has been a regular on the show, always generous with his time and allowing me to interview him and talk about his many books. My guest, Wayne Barn, is a prolific book writer. Books have now taken almost the whole shelf on my bookshelf. And he's rightly lauded for his work. And former Man United chairman, Martin Edward, described him perfectly as the preeminent writer on Manchester United. And I can't argue with that. People know I'm an unashamed fan of yours, Wayne. And if it's not books you're writing, it's hosting podcasts with Paul Parker and Patrick Parker, among others. Now, the book we're going to talk about today, Wayne's latest book, is the biography on Wayne Rooney. And it's titled Wayne Rooney, Teenage Kids, a street footballer who ruled the world. Um, it is the first comprehensive biography of Rooney's playing career and includes brand new stories and exclusive new insights from former teammates plus unique archive images. And for the first time, Rooney's career is recounted in full and scrutinized in depth. Wayne, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm not bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, before we start discussing the book, just want to say, That even though we've known each other for so long, spoken many times, meeting you outside Old Trafford very recently was fantastic. Almost like a culmination of a long journey. Yeah. And we've done it twice now. I mean, it's like we a We have, yeah. Like we a have become regulars. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne, let's kick off by with you telling everyone why you wrote the book. I mean, it's a slight departure from your usual biographies, isn't it? Talk us about how the idea for the book came about. Yeah, it, it's a little bit different because anyone who's read my work knows that I tend to stick my head in the past. Um, this one, look, my writing profile rose almost exclusively thanks to something that I wrote on Rooney for a blog that I was writing on over 10 years ago when he put in his first transfer request. Um, I, I wrote a blog and it got picked up, it went viral as it was then, you know, I was on CNN talking about it and stuff like that. And it was an open letter, one of those cringy things. But at the time, it wasn't like an open letter begging him to stay or anything. It was more like, if you leave, you're turning your back on the history that you stand to create if you if you stay. And like you're the one who will lose out on that because, you know, it's within your grasp. Imagine being, like, you know, because those records of, you know, Bobby Charlton's they stood for generations. Also, how long it took Ryan Giggs to break the appearance one and then set the new one, which will probably never be broken. So the goal one, so like he knew that it was in his reach to do that if he stayed. And uh, so that's what I was, I was basically writing about. And um, so from that moment, basically, I'd always felt like this sort of obligation to always talk about Rooney whenever I, I should. Um, 
and you know obviously we followed his career as, as United fans as well and, and saw that sort of argument of has he reached his potential you know has he surpassed his potential all that sort of stuff why isn't he the best in the world why are Ronaldo and Messi able to go on for so long all those kind of conversations and when I mean so I think at the time I started writing books I just sort of presumed that one day there'd be a book about Wayne Rooney in there so I always like doing all my research making sure that I'd saved everything I needed to save got folders of newspaper clippings every time I did an interview I'm making sure that I'm just getting a few little bits about Rooney that sort of stuff but the actual the emergence of the book and how, how fast it came along was that it was my agent he just said to me when we were talking about another book and then Rooney retired and he said I think you probably but everyone on Twitter was saying to me oh you're gonna write a Rooney book now he's retired so my agent saw all that and he just said, look, people are asking for it. We should see if we can deliver it. And we did. He said, are you in a good position to do it? And I sent him a screenshot and um, some pictures of like all my research, what was already ready to do it. And he said, all right, we'll, we'll get on it then. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's why basically. Yeah. And it's such an interesting character study that, um, you know, it's a leading goal scorer in Manchester United in England history. Um, he's done some extraordinary things. I was very keen to tell that story. Excellent. I mean, um, Rooney, Rooney was identified very, very early on as a prodigious, a prodigious talent. And it proved very difficult for Everton to hold him back from playing in the first team. And, and, and you talk about that in the book. Moyes' manager at the time resisted, though, didn't he? Yeah, obviously Moyes came in at a time, he, he succeeded Walter Smith at, at a time when Rooney was on the periphery anyway. I mean, he was still young. I think he was only just 16 when Moyes came in. So... But he'd already he'd inherited this incredible talent who was doing incredible things at, at youth team and reserve team level. In the reserves, I think probably in the weeks before Moyes signed, or, or maybe the weeks after, he played in a reserve game against United where he absolutely bullied David May. And May was like a seasoned defender and he, and he absolutely bullied him in a reserve team game. And he showed that confidence. Obviously, he'd already been showing it in first team training with the likes of Alan Stubbs and Joseph Yobo. And if anyone remembers Yobo, he's an absolute unit. You know, So Rooney wasn't showing any fear in these things. So it was very much a case of, um, you know, Rooney's going to play. And Moyes wanted to. I think there was there's some rules at, the, at first that prohibited him because he was still in school and they were trying to get around that, I believe. That was one of the early rules. And then I do think that Moyes wanted to play him as soon as he could because Moyes had this idea that, it was, you know, it would be his introduction to it. Do you know what I mean? Like he was introducing Rooney into the football world, which would be a feather in his cap. Um, and obviously, as soon as that chance came around in the following season, he didn't hold back. He was playing him straight away. Um, his management, obviously the management of Rooney and Moyes and how, how that was handled was very difficult. I, I think like even a more experienced manager would have found it difficult because Rooney, I mean, at the club and the level and profile that Rooney was at, and the level of his stardom and how quickly he became a star name in the league. Any other manager, you, you're really only talking maybe Fergie at, at United, Wenger at Arsenal. Maybe Wenger at Arsenal wouldn't have handled him completely properly, but you, a very small number of managers and clubs who could have probably handled that as well as Moyes did, to be fair. Um, very difficult for him to, to deal with. It looked like it was a blessing, but it turned out to be not so. Um, and anyone who reads the book will probably remember it as they're going across it, like, oh, yeah, that actually happened the way that it did. And, yeah, it was a very difficult situation for him because 
as much as it looked like Moyes was out of his depth a little bit, Rooney was also pushing the buttons and making it a little bit too difficult for him as well. I think I think what's great for um, reading the book is being a United fan. I'm just focused on his United years. Obviously, there's England. Obviously, there's post United. But this this Everton part of the beginning sort of shapes who you know the, the personality who Rooney is. And if we go back to you know when, when he was that young, public speaking was never one of his strengths. But you outline in the first few chapters that during his time at Everton. Uh, when it came to football, he was very confident in his ability. You could say arrogant even. And this rumbustiousness led him to even question in his manager, David Moyes. You know, where did this come from? I mean, in the book, you, you do say um, it's, it's, it's immaturity rather than unprofessionalism. How did that look to Moyes, to his coach, Alan Irvine, and even to other players? Did they just accept it that he's a young kid and he'll grow out of it? Or, you know, he's such a talented player. We've got to work with him on that. Yeah, I think, remember Moyes was a very young manager as well and quite inexperienced because he was coming from Preston, wasn't he? He was only yeah, just into top top league experience himself. So he was dealing with it that way. Um, yeah, I, I think obviously 90% of it was down to immaturity and the fact that he was so good. I've likened the, the progression and the, the burst. Really, they'd only seen, I can't think of anyone that young apart from George Best who came through and obviously we're talking about a very, very different era of football, like 40 years separated Rooney coming through and George coming through. George was a little bit shy. Rooney wasn't, he was kind of like encouraged by every, all of his sort of peers were encouraging him because they couldn't believe they got a player that good who was playing with him. Also the, the older players took him under their wing as well because he was as good as them. So they wanted him around. Do you know, at United, it was very difficult, uh, a very different environment, both for the class of 92 and the likes of George Best, because they were players who'd achieved a lot in the game already. Do you know, and I'm not saying that the Everton players hadn't achieved. I'm talking about serial trophy winners. We know the level I'm talking about. So when Rooney comes through and he's being talked about as one of, potentially one of the greatest English players of all time from the age of 15 or 16, it's very difficult, volatile situation for them to handle. And he knew it. He did know because, again, the parallel with George, George broke into the side and it only took him a matter of weeks before he realised he, he could do the things he was doing to young kids. That was the same for Rooney. It wasn't long before he realised, look, I can just play in my natural way and be one of the best players in the league. And once you've got that kind of settlement and that kind of confidence that comes from that, especially... Rooney being from where he was from and the fact that, they, you know, you can call it lack of education or the fact that he just, he knew that his future was in football. So he wasn't that dedicated to his schoolwork. He just wanted to play football all the time. And I'm not calling him uneducated. I think he was very streetwise and he knew the game very much. I, I'm talking about natural, natural maturity as, as comes with age and the fact that you're from a working class background and everything. You're missing 10 years of education and the way to behave and conduct yourself. It's only, I mean, when it came to moving to United that you, you saw that he understood that he'd made mistakes, what he was doing before. He, he actually addressed that himself. So the period of time where he's making these kind of childish mistakes, like mistakes, we say, playing football after, after he's played a game, he'd go on the streets and play with his friends. That would be classified as a mistake just as much as getting involved in a little scuffle with one of his cousins or something like that these kind of things. But by that point, because Rooney was so good and he was so dominant in that Everton team, he could go toe-to-toe with um, with Moyes. And the problem that you've got 
what do you do with an empowered 16 or 17 year old who was entitled? Very, very difficult thing for him to handle, especially a manager who wasn't as experienced in, in, in David Moyes. Even Moyes probably now would be able to deal with it a lot better than what he, he did at the time. Yeah, good point, good point. Um, fast forward to Euro 2004, and that was quite a seminal moment for Rooney. Um, he, he was sensational. Um, I went online and watched some clips um, prior to, 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 to recording this, and he bullied seasoned international defenders. He, he was like a force of nature, a battering ram. Um, was it what he did on this world stage and with those performances that piqued the interest of big clubs? And is this one reason United and Ferguson had to move quickly to acquire his signature. I mean, intertwined here is, the, I guess, the falling out with Moyes. Take us on a succinct journey from Euro 2004, some of the issues with Moyes, and then the transfer. Was it a perfect storm for United to acquire Rooney? Yeah, there have been a couple of issues at Everton where he'd, he'd wanted more money. They delayed a contract offer. They delayed the terms a couple of times and stuff like that, even when he was getting the new contracts. There'd also been an occasion where he took the armband. Someone had thrown him the, you know, the captain's armband, and he was still only eighteen, and he wore it. And Moyes had told him to get that effing thing off, and you know what I mean. He, those kind of things. He was like, "Well, why do I need to do that? Because I'm still, I am established myself as a leader in this team, and you know, you, you know, there's a certain amount of pride, right? You'd want to be the youngest ever Everton captain and stuff like that, and." Those kind of things were, were coming to the boil. Um, there was a, ve a very strong rumour earlier, probably around January of that year, 2004, that United had tried to do a deal to sign him and Rooney had gone around telling everyone, um, his mates at Everton, that he was going to sign for United. Didn't go through for whatever reason. And United signed Louis Saha. Mm. And a sign of their ambition for, for the year was seen when they signed Alan Smith in May as soon as Leeds went really good. So they weren't looking to sign another striker. And like you quite rightly say, Rooney burst onto the um, onto the world stage with the European Championship performance. He said in his recent documentary that he felt like he was the best player in the world at the time. And that might have been a stretch. Definitely the best young player in the world. Because um, he, he did, you're quite right. He was bullying those defenders. Not just, I mean, the, the famous example is when he... So Lillian Turam to bits in the and Turam was so he he embodied that sort of physicality and strength in a defender. So you he'd be the one that you, you know like Chiellini wouldn't see these players get embarrassed, but he was he was absolutely embarrassed by him because Rooney just caught him on the hop and obviously Sylvester brought him down for the penalty and that would have been it would have been the greatest European Championship goal of all time. It would have even eclipsed what Van Basten did because of the youthfulness and the energy of that run. You would have been set, you'd have been talking about it forever. Mm. Um, you still talk about the run forever because it, yeah. it was masterful the way that he did it. But then it wasn't just that. It was obviously the goals against Switzerland were one thing, but Croatia at the time, remember, they were a very, very seasoned team. They were very, very strong. They were, they were the team that like Sweden used to be a few years earlier, that if you weren't on your A game in an international tournament, they're going to take the result against you. So Rooney was the difference in these games. Um, and he would have been the difference if England hadn't imploded against France as well. So, yeah, and then obviously gets the injury and, um, and then he's out of the, the rest of the tournament and England are eliminated as they usually are. Um, but So Rooney's... is sort of status in the tournament isn't hurt he's in fact enhanced because now everyone's saying if if he um if he stays fit england win the tournament is even I mean, the everton fans already had the chant the white pelly 
But then everyone was describing his impact in that tournament as Pele-esque. Um, and in a way, obviously, that he was befitting because he deserved it because of everything that he did in that tournament. But then it became a little bit like a, a noose around him every time there was an international tournament. Um, but yeah, that obviously, that sowed the seed then because what was he going to do? He wasn't going to stay at Everton. Everton were in a, a massive financial difficulty. Um, and to be fair, I think if you look at the events the way that they happened, it was very convenient for Everton. Um, they, they would have been reluctant sellers f- for sure, but that was an inflated market thanks to Chelsea's recent um, financial takeover. Mourinho was just he'd just taken over as Chelsea manager, so they were spending a lot of money. Um, so there was a very inflated market there. There was an opportunity to capitalise. The other clubs who wanted to keep pace with Chelsea would have to invest a lot of money in, to get in a player. Um, where the other clubs were lucky was that Chelsea had already bought their forwards. They bought Drogba. They weren't interested in getting... Well, they couldn't... Even Chelsea couldn't justify getting a player like Rooney who wasn't going to be playing for them um, as much as he should be because he was not going to be held back now. So Newcastle took advantage of that. United would have probably still preferred to wait that year because they'd got, they were stocked in, in the forward positions. They didn't need another forward um and then obviously it accelerated as it did in the last sort of week of the transfer window and as soon as newcastle put the offer in which was obviously very genuine they, they wanted him there was this sort of set to where rooney had asked them to put in a close where if united had come in a year would they you know would they allow um newcastle to would newcastle allow him to to go to united obviously newcastle were umming and ahhing over that but if you look at that that actually to me, puts a lot of truth in what had happened in January because he must have had his heart set on a move to United if he was insisting on a close like that. Um, and obviously, that accelerated United's interest, which, as we know, um, was successful. Yeah. So, on to United in that debut. Absolutely sensational, as we know. Uh, and so very Rooney. Um, as a renowned United historian, Wayne, can you think of a better debut for United? No, he's one that I've had, of course, you have to think about it, don't you? It's one of those, you look back and there have been some great debuts. I mean, we all remember Ronaldo's um, because it was so dazzling and so... Ronaldo's probably more uh, caught you off guard than what Rooney's did. I'm not saying Rooney's was expected, but you already had a buzz around Rooney. There was a a certain buzz about Ronaldo, but it was more the unknown, wasn't it? And like, oh my God, what's he going to do? Cantona, Cantona didn't start particularly he didn't start in the fashion that we'd become renowned for throughout his career um best had a good debut but he was out of the team for a few few months after that gigs um made an impression a couple of you know early on but in terms of impact and a global statement yeah it's the best it's got to be the best debut in in united history that that i can think of i've enlisted all those charlton bobby charlton scored twice as well um duncan edwards made his debut in a 4-1 defeat to cardiff we're talking the champions league old trafford under the lights and he plays with a fearlessness again it, it shouldn't have been that fearless for him it was just unbelievable i remember we were sat in the north and Pretty sure it was tier three. We had a bird's eye view of it. And we'd scored earlier on. I think Giggs had already scored. So the the game was already being one more controlling. It was Fenerbahce, you know, we're expected to win, even though Fenerbahce were the team who 
ended our unbeaten run at home. We were expected to win this one. We were controlling it. But then Rooney just stood stood up and just sort of seized the game. He made it all about himself. Those, I mean, it's two goals in the first half. Yeah, this way, I mean, these, and United are good like this. And I, I know other clubs are as well, but United in particular, and I say this because I support them, and it's obviously with bias. So I know other clubs will say, but we've had something similar. Yeah, and you may well have. United have this knack of wherever you are in the ground watching it, or even knowing the ground. It's like a storyline unfolding. You can see it happening, and you can see that I think it's the second goal where the the ball rolls across his body and he shifts, and he he just shoot, you know it's going to go in because of the way that he, he's exactly what he's done in the European Championships for one of the goals. He's done it a couple of times in the the league forever, and it's a trade. He's got a trademark finish at the age of eighteen. I mean, funnily enough, I don't think that stayed with him for for the rest of his career. But at that time, it was kind of like the Rooney thing. Um, and then yeah, he scores the hat trick in the 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 second half, and you you know when the free kick is given, he's even when Giggs is placing it down, you know Rooney's going to take it, and you feel like it's almost like momentum's dragging the ball into the net. It's not even Rooney doing it himself anymore, and. Every everything about it is so memorable. Even going down to the ripped shirt, the fact that he's you know it, it gives that impression of him just being a kid off the street. The shirt's a bit too tight. I don't want this. He might as well. They might as well have dragged him in off the street. And he plays plays like that on the the biggest game of his career to his club career today. And um, what, what was it surprising considering we'd seen him what he could do in the European Championship? We'd seen him against. This is another comparison I made to George, and sorry for dwelling on these, but I think the early career is very, very similar. Is it was only the stage that was defining how good he was. So when he's playing in the Premier League for Everton, he was like as good as you would expect a player could be playing in the Premier League for Everton. And then when he plays on the big stage with England and you give him a chance against France, well, he's as good. He dominates the French defence who were, were winning things international level so when you get him in the champions league and he scores a hat trick on his debut you're thinking there's no ceiling to what this lad can achieve and yeah i wrote it's a moment that stayed with me so much that as you know it forms like where it comes naturally in the book and it also forms part of the conclusion of the book because from that moment on really once he was ours once he was a united player he was such an evocative player that um it was memories that you measured him in really and that that was the first one that we had Absolutely. Um, as early as chapter seven, Wayne, um, you asked the question which pretty much followed Rooney for his whole career. And where does he fit into the side? Or more pointedly, what is his best position? I mean, everyone's got a view. Everyone's got an angle. What's your, what's your, what's your view? Um, I liked him playing as a number 10. I thought that that where he played a bit, there were different, but he had even when I'm now, when I'm looking back and I'm thinking of Rooney at his pomp when, when he was completely fit and he had the great players around him and he wasn't asked, you know, like in later years, he was either lumbered, for mm. a better phrase, he was basically forced to play up front because we, he needed to play up front or he was forced to play in the number 10 because we had Van Persie there. In the earlier years when it, it was a lot more fluid and he would be popping up in different areas, I still, you know, have a fondness for playing on in playing on the left-hand side and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? The, the various roles that he was doing and still being a, a magnificent player at. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the the sort of 06 to 08 period where he was playing in that number 10 role, because um, he was as unplayable as Ronaldo sometimes. You know, he was having his own games. I know Ronaldo's star went stratospheric and 
as I've explained in the book, a pot, and I'm sure you're probably going to talk about that at some point anyway, how, how those, their paths intertwined. Um, but for that period where he was playing in a, well, effectively a, a withdrawn striker position, like Cantona, kind of thing, he's not leading the line, where he's scheming and he's popping up in different areas and stuff like that, and given the freedom to do that, that's when he was at his best. I mean, even when he, he was playing at number 10 behind um, Hernandez in... Um, 10 11. We saw some of his best form there as well, where he, where he was allowed to influence the game in that forward position but not be tied to the front line of it. Um, and when he was really fit and, and physically fit and everything like that, then um, he was absolutely unbelievable. One of the best players in the world. Mm. Question just popped into my head at the point Rooney arrived at Old Trafford, was it a mutual need? And what I mean by that is. Uh, did Rooney need Ferguson for his guidance, for his development, I guess, as a person as well as a player? But did Ferguson United also need Rooney? Yeah, no, you're right. Um, you're absolutely right with the first one because we, we, as we already talked about, he was at this crossroads really where I think if he had stayed another year at Everton, I think he would have gone off the rails. And he was already attracting a few negative headlines anyway because. I think it was just this idea that he was too big for the club for Everton. And maybe he was. And I don't mean that disrespectfully for Everton. I just mean the level of controversy and the level of publicity that was around him. Everton weren't equipped to deal with that because that wasn't... They were like... They were doing well. They were doing respectfully well, but they weren't equipped to deal with a megastar. Um, they couldn't have handled it. So it was right that he, it was right for all parties that he moved on when he did. For Rooney especially, because he had that strong arm around him in Ferguson, and also some of the, those other lads in the dressing room, like you know Roy Keane and Ryan Giggs, who weren't. They, he was accommodated and almost indulged a little bit by the likes of Duncan Ferguson and Alan Stubbs, who saw the charm in him. You know, they really took to him like from when he was a young kid. But at United, they wouldn't stand for like the little scuffles and stuff like that, or playing on the streets because he was playing for United and they wanted to win things. And if he wasn't mm. being one hundred percent professional, then they wouldn't have a great chance as winning something. And so obviously, Keane and Giggs and Neville, those aren't going to stand stand for that. And he knew that himself, Rooney. So he was already booking his own ideas up, you know, appreciating this is the the sort of raise in my own standard that I need. So for all parties, yeah, it was a it was a move that kind of needed to happen when it did, and it worked out for everyone, I think. And never. Wayne, in the past, we've talked about the longevity, the majesty of Ferguson's reign, and how there was a constant thread of success with players arriving and being amongst players who knew what success was and how this was passed from one team to the next. Yeah. This know-how being passed from one player to the next and to the new arrival. In the book, you make the observation that at the point uh, Roy Keane departed United, he had already passed this on to, and you called it um, the generational baton, onto Rooney. It was only 19 or 20, but he was ready though, wasn't he? Yeah, I th because it was about a year or so that they spent together, and Keane rubbed off on, for, on um, Rooney a lot. You could see that. Um, also because Rooney had a natural fire in him and a natural competitiveness. He wanted to score goals and he wanted to win games. And once he knew that, you know, that kind of personality would be expect accepted at United and, and even demanded in a certain way, the way that Keane would speak about people and the way, you know, that it was accepted that he would speak as long as he was speaking for the good of the team and wanting these high standards, then 
he could fit in and Rooney could say the same kind of things because as long as he was proving his own potential, then um, then he was entitled to do that. So, yeah, he definitely rubbed off on him in a, in a major way, but also in, in the way that they played on the pitch as well because, I mean, for that sort of... That generational baton, like I said, needed to be passed on because it needed to be represented in the team. It wasn't the the game was changing. It was a lot more um, possession based because of the fact that Mourinho and Benitez had brought in this pragmatic style of killing games, and you know it was a lot slower. So that that kind of energy wasn't going to be in midfield. United needed it in the front line. They also needed it at that time because Ronaldo. He had his own personal drive. And going back to, I guess it ties into the last question as well, is it took a little bit of the pressure off Ronaldo and allowed him to develop at his own pace rather than having to, you know, be a lot better. Because he was really struggling for a little bit of time, Ronaldo, there, and the crowd were on his back a little bit. So Rooney coming in with his own inconsistency sometimes, don't get me wrong, but it took the pressure off Ronaldo a little bit because now they, the crowd knew that they had two of the best young talents in the country. And yeah, they had this sort of energy around the front line, didn't they? That um, which you know, Rooney was doing that. He was pressing from the front, and which was making a massive difference to the way that United played because they didn't have that. I know Van Nistelrooy wasn't a, he wasn't Shirker by any stretch of the imagination. Neither was Sahar, neither was Solskjaer, neither was Alan Smith. Perhaps Smith applied this more than any of the others um, alongside Rooney, but they, that work rate to sort of close people down. It was transformational in the way that United played for that next generation because of the way that the game was shifting as well. You sort of touched on what I'm about to ask you now in, in your answer just then. Um, did the requirements of the modern game necessitate sort of a stifling of his natural instincts as a player? Not totally, but I would, I would put it like a subtle refinement as befits the evolution of the game where team structure is required, a, a process are far more important. So what, what I really want to ask is, would Rooney have thrived more in previous generations? No, yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, and what I'm going to use a very different comparison here, but it's definitely related to the question that you're asking. I was talking to, obviously, anyone who listens to this might know, I know Jules Majorana quite well. Mm. He was a lad who was plucked from non-league football in the 88 and he was put straight into the United first team. Didn't play that many games. In the first couple of games where he played, he was dynamite. He looked scarily good. But then he was out of the team for a long time due to this kind of need to refine him because as Jules himself admits, he was a lad playing football on the park. He didn't, and he had ambitions of being a professional footballer, but he didn't have any idea what that meant in terms of the way that your game has to be completely different. You know, you have to be responsible to the other 10 players around you. You have to be positionally aware. You can't just be trying flicks and back heels and these tricks on the halfway line just to get a rise from the crowd and everything. You need a responsibility to win the game. And um, sometimes it is a lot more sterile. The difference with Rooney is that he had this insatiable desire to know about the game. So it, it is more like refinery. That's the way that I would say, yes, there was the natural, um, that natural burst of thing, but it's more like, you know, when you get to the, the age of 21 or 22, is we start asking yourself, which you wouldn't do when you're 16 or 17, is this the right thing to do? And now it's not going to be naturally a question that's going to take six or seven question, seconds to answer. It might only be one or two seconds to answer. 
but the things that he, you know, like he was whacking volleys in and chipping the ball in from like in his first season, he was just doing the things that he just well, he just wanted to do, and he was liberated to do that. But in the subsequent seasons, as United were like their ambitions were getting higher, by the way, in that first couple of seasons that Rooney was playing, and the ambitions were high, but they weren't. You know, they weren't achieving. They were, like, finishing second or third. They weren't close to a title push. Now, as Rooney was 20, 21, now they were serious championship contenders. And, and Rooney needed that. He needed that forward step as well. So the better that he was getting, the better that United were getting as well. So you've got to say that that coincided. And, yeah, I know what you're saying, the natural... Because that's the, the age-old argument with Rooney. Did you take some of the fire away from him when he was younger? But... Yes, possibly. I mean, you can definitely see that because the, that burst isn't there. But at the same time, he was better. He was a better player and, and United were achieving more. So the argument speaks for itself. And once, you know, that's the experience of Akeen, a Ferdinand de Giggs, a Ronaldo, all these lads now, it just made him a, a better player. He's more positionally aware. I talked to René Mullenstein for the book and he praises Rooney's intelligence non-stop, you know, which a lot of people didn't. So he obviously, I mean, if that's people who know him close and they know how good he is and they appreciate how good he is as a footballer and how smart he is, that came with age. Um, but he was obviously very interested in the tactical side of it. They, Mullenstein would joke just to get a rise out of Rooney that they based entire training sessions around Rooney just because his intelligence was so high. Um yeah, and I, I think that answers the question, Mike. Um, yeah. I hope it does anyway, I think. Yeah, yeah thanks. For, yeah, no, it's good, it's good. I, I mean, you mentioned René, René Mullenstein there, and, and, and there's, there's parts of the book where, which you quote uh, Mullenstein and, and his interactions with a young Wayne Rooney and his thirst for knowing more about the game. Having read the book, we shouldn't therefore be surprised how well he's doing as a manager now, should we? The way he manages the media, the, the way he's managing the scrutiny at, at an incredibly tough job at Derby, it, it's almost like from a young age, it was it, it, it was just going to happen, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, from from um, a footballing point of view, I'll make my last George Best comparison, and it's um, to do with the fact that everyone who talks well about George, uh, the ones who really studied his game, would say he was a player who could play in any position in the team, and he play play it well because he understood the demands of playing in that position. Rooney is similar to anyone who talks about Rooney. And they're the only two players. And that's why I've made that comparison a few times, not just because I wrote books on them both, but they're the only two people I've ever heard talk about like that, you know, that they could play in any position um, and, and play well because they understand the demands to play in that position. That sort of sets him up for a good role as a coach anyway, because you would know that he, he knows what is needed in those different positions. But the... The other side of it, the pressure, yeah, of course, he's played at the highest level at one of the most the most successful times and the most highly demanding and critical times for United because even when they were winning um, from that period of 2007 to 2013 or 07 to 09, which is one of the most condensed successful periods in, in football history, that... There were still criticisms, you know, if United didn't play well um, in winning or if they, they fell behind or if whatever happened or something off the pitch happened, there'd be criticism even when things were going great. And the same at international tournaments, Rooney carried that can for maybe three of them, three international tournaments. He was cited as the, the major reason for why England didn't win anything. So he was always there as 
enemy, public enemy number one sometimes, very divisive figure. Uh, he knew what it, as, as crazy as it is, he knew what it, it was to to be hated by the fans who love you at Everton, at United after the transfer request. And it's a lot for a young man to go through. He's, he's still younger than both of us, Martin, you know, and he, he went through all that and obviously he made mistakes um, and, he, and he's gone through them and who knows, he'll make more probably. But that maturity and that experience has got to set him in good stead. He's still a very young manager, obviously, but all those experiences have got to help. And he's very in a very unique position as well because not many people have achieved what he has achieved under the glare of all that um, scrutiny. You know, we're talking like in England, in in terms of English footballers, Gerard can't come close to that, and Lampard can't come close to that, and they're the two closest to Rooney. Rooney dealt with. Perhaps Lampard, because Chelsea were more successful on a domestic scale, but Rooney's level of achievement—you know—he was top goal scorer for for his club, and he was top goal scorer for for his country, all while carrying that weight of criticism. So, yeah, now he's now he's in a position at, at Derby where the really the criticism isn't that high for him. People are, are curious about him, aren't they? They, they're yeah. kind of willing him to, to be good. I think everyone's willing him to become a good manager because we want to see where it could be. Obviously that criticism is going to come at some point and he's probably now bracing himself thinking, oh, it's all well and good now I'm doing well, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's funny because I've talked to different people about this, like what is, is finishing second with United worse than relegation for another team? Those kind of weird dynamics in, in you know, like he's underachieving at United worse than bombing with a team down the leagues and stuff like that. And it's all about different levels of pressure, you know, and that's what it comes down to now, how well you can handle the pressure. And sometimes Rooney hasn't handled it well, but he's in a different, he's on the other side of the coin now, isn't he? He's, a, he's, he's sort of in a position where as a footballer sometimes you know and I mean everyone was saying this for, for years they didn't want the sport to go out of him so imagine having that kind of conflict within you where people are saying the, the thing that they're criticizing you for they don't want you to actually lose as a manager um he's got that opportunity to be more considered he doesn't have to react all the time so it's going to be very interesting to see i think all those experiences can only help him because um they can't i, I can't see how they can hurt yeah, I mean, what what what's good about the book is that it gives us an opportunity to, you know, in, in, in you know, in three hundred and fifty odd pages to look at his whole career and be able to judge him, because we forget, you know, we forget how good he how good he is. You know, he is a he's a fantastic player. Wayne, how do we actually remember Rooney the player? Because there there was a great quote from Fabio da Silva in the book who makes. What I think is it, it, probably one of the most perceptive comparisons in the book, um, and the comparison is in the productive output of Benzema and Rooney, and compares them to Cristiano Ronaldo. And it is only Ronaldo's freak numbers which put into the shade what Rooney and Benzema achieved for their clubs. And what Fabio said was that only after Rooney departs both United and then Madrid do many appreciate the value of both of them in their own right. I mean, Fabio says Rooney was always that good. So are we unfortunately blinded by what others did to fully appreciate how good Rooney actually was? Yeah, the, the, yeah, I think absolutely. And the other the other quote that's in there, and it might be Fabio, it might be Rafa, Rafa who said it, um, it was about how whoever Rooney played with at United, he made better. 
He was mm. he, he complemented their abilities. He was never incompatible. If you look back at some of the players in even Cantona, Hughes, they were play, you would say that Cole was definitely one. Solskjaer even, Sheringham, all these players you would say, oh, they're incompatible with someone because their style's not the same. You would never, ever say that about Rooney. He was almost like a chameleon. He was almost like, well, Van Persie's got his limitations, so I'll compensate for them. I'll, I'll be the alpha number 10. You know, Chicharito, I'll play my style a little bit different. R- Ronaldo, I, I can drift wide. Tevez, Tevez and Rooney together. I would have loved to have seen that for four or five years because they... they had such complementary abilities. They it was it was almost like Cole and Yoke again because they were so similar. But even even more because Cole and Yoke weren't as similar as Rooney and Tevez. Yeah. Um. So th- those kind of things. Rooney played well with every. Even with Welbeck, they had a good understanding, and Welbeck was so unpredictable. So imagine having the composure at that point in his career as he did Rooney to be able to strike up. a successful partnership with him as well so that's like four or five there was a little while that and i'm sure if they'd have worked harder at it or worked longer at it that rooney and van Nistelrooy would have been a better p- partnership than what it was and that was a little bit um less traditional because i think van Nistelrooy would have he was the kind of one who preferred provide preferred to have service rather than um play as a dynamic number you know a dynamic nine and ten Van Nistelrooy always wanted service from whoever he was playing with where I don't think Rooney would have always been like that he liked to get on the goals himself maybe that would have been the one that would have been a struggle but everyone else he, even Smith even Sahar when he played with them there were very good moments for Rooney because he was that good and I think that and you mentioned the point with Benzema and, and Ronaldo yeah it's just an extension of that point really that he, he was able to make um good from every partnership that he had and that's a testament to, to the quality that he had as an all-round footballer because a lot of the players we've just mentioned had limitations in one area of the game. Mm, and I think on this, I think the book does make an accurate case for Rooney being every bit as good as his contemporaries at height of his power and mm. reflecting back that that is correct, isn't it? He, he was that good. He was that good. Mm. Um, Rooney was a winner, is a winner, and him striving for success, demanding it from his club, led him to believing that the club didn't match his ambition. And, and in your chapter, The Summer of Discontent, that was, I guess, the beginning of the end and a rift that emerged between the, 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 the star player um, uh, at United and the fan base. That never really healed totally for everyone, did it? No, it didn't, and it was a bit... A bit weird, really, because you look back over the time. I mean, United have pretty much always been at their best when they've had one of their star players who, I don't want to say in opposition to the manager, but would clearly stand up to the manager. Yeah. A, manager a player who was brave enough to do that. Going all the way back to Roger Byrne with Matt Busby, Martin Buchan with Tommy mm. Docherty, Brian Robson with whoever he was with, Roy Keane, certainly with Fergie, and, and Rooney, who would have seen that, you know, and he would have seen the likes of Giggs and um, Neville be able to hold court with Ferguson and not necessarily bow down to every, every single thing that he said. So there wasn't any reason why Rooney said... There's a combination of elements, really, that perhaps contributed to that. First of all, that he was Scouse, um, which is so basic, but it, it's got to have played a factor in there. Second, that 
and, and real, I, I wonder if you could put this on Fergie more than Rooney. The fact that um, Fergie was the one who made it public. He was the one who said that there was a transfer request and that Rooney wanted mm-hmm. to leave. And, and, you know, that we're not ambitious enough, that kind of thing, putting it out there. Now, that was, Paddy Barclay's always said it, that it was a, one of Fergie's best performances, and I agree, you know, the, that press conference, and it was a masterclass in how to sort of handle that in a, in a way, but in in a way, it kind of projected Rooney as the villain. And I remember, I can remember a period of time where, Everyone was demanding an apology for from him mm. at the time of the transfer request. So he signed the he signed the new deal, as we all know, and he said sorry. Like he said, oh, "I'm sorry to the fans," blah blah blah. And then they kept wanting him to say sorry again, you know. Yeah. And he's like, "Well, but he already said it, you know." And and then they they kept saying it, you know. He's going to be sorry. And I think once there was a quote saying, "Well, if I've got to say sorry again, I don't know why, but I will." kind of thing and I don't think that was particularly held against him as such but it was kind of like representative of the fact maybe Rooney was a bit tired of it like why do I have to keep doing this and then the fans were you know the timing of the transfer request as well came out on the back of the um the it was the World Cup wasn't it 2010 where he turned to the camera and it's basically shouted down the camera and then the press had turned on him earlier in the season where it, there'd been an infidelity or accusations of an infidelity and that come just before we played against Everton. Mm-hmm. Fergie rested him from that game. And what happened from that was Fergie said he had an injury, trying to protect him from the bad reception. Rooney comes out and says there's no injury. And I, I think it was basically like, if you imagine Beckham coming back from World Cup 98, but it going badly, you could have imagined it going a little bit like that. Do you know, um, season starts not quite so well like it didn't in 98-99 and maybe if yeah. Beckham had come out and said, oh, I'm not sure about these new players that we've brought in, you know, and then if, if Fergie had took that public. I'm not saying that conversation ever happened. I'm just saying if it had happened badly in the way that it did in 2010, this was an, this was an example of it and being handled badly. And the United fans looked at it and thought, hang on a minute, we've defended you even when you've clearly done things wrong that like, a lot of people wouldn't have defended you for, but we've defended you because you were ours and that's what you do in tribal football matters. You do it like that. So we were hurt by that as well. A lot of fans were. Um, and even when he came back and did so well at the end of the season, there was still that element of the support who would never forgive him again. And um, and a lot of people wouldn't. I don't know if... I know I knew some people at the time who said that they'd never cheer another Rooney goal. And he went on to score a lot more goals, so I don't know if they never cheered another one. <laughs> but if they didn't, that's a long time to to have that um have that kind of dissent in the in the relationship. But I think that a lot of it stems from that. It was quite complicated to be fair, but um I, I always knew I you could see how complicated it was anyway, so I was um you know, I don't know, I, I a lot more. I'm not going to say forgiving. I don't know if that's the right Accepting. word. Anyway. Accepting. Yeah, and the other element is, and he came out and said it recently with the documentaries that all oh, all the fans were saying the same. You know, we you know we all wanted we all wanted to know where that Ronaldo money had gone, and we all we were all saying that Valencia and Obertan and Michael Owen. I remember, I remember that I've got you know time up on Facebook comes up and it reminds me every year and I I like I did a post when Michael Owen signed and um and it was like 
the seven stages of grief, which was, please don't let us sign Michael Owen. Please don't let it be real. Please don't let him get the number seven shirt. All those kind of things that all actually happened in that in that kind of pattern. And, um, and yeah, a lot of us were asking the same questions as Rooney. I think it was more the fact that, and it, you know, t- today people are crying out for players to challenge the, yeah. the hierarchy in that kind of manner, and you wouldn't call them betrayals. Yeah. But it just, I think it just happened that Fergie was, it built this brand of loyalty that you just wouldn't go against Fergie, and it seemed like that's what he was doing. And Fergie was counting on that, and, and right he was, because it was a masterstroke in the way that it, it turned out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we can't talk about Rooney and not discuss his best moments, his best goals. If asked, many will say the goal versus City, um, wonderful over it is Rooney the player in, in that moment. And we can't deny the importance of that strike. In the book, for me at least, it is dealt with um, quite expertly and with such, dare I say, love. I mean, that one passage in the book, for me, poetically encapsulates not only Rooney the player, and his place in United folklore, but also your writing, Wayne. So the strike is seminal, world-class, but the writing and the way you tell the story and paint the picture is just as good for me. It, it is beautiful. And what I want to ask you is, you know, did you think or do you think about how you are to write certain parts, conscious that there are important moments and that your writing has to do it as some sort of justice, or is it off the cuff and the words flow? No, it was definitely something I was conscious of. Obviously, the theme of the the book, particularly when you reach certain crescendos, um, you're writing, a, and it was very deliberate, you know, it's a book about an evocative player, you're talking about these emotions, I remember them vividly, I lived these ones. You know, like when you're writing an historic book of George Best, you try and describe it as powerfully as you can, but when you are writing about something that you lived, and you experienced and you were there in the moment, you try and put that in the bubble and present it for, for the reader, which is what I tried to do because Rooney was like any, like Zidane must have been a similar experience for people who watch Zidane, very different players. Cantona is another one, I guess, that you, everyone's experience of that player is a bit different, but what you try and do is you try and put into words how you felt, try and make it, universal in the way that it can be absorbed by the reader and then hope that it resonates and then even if they don't necessarily agree with the, not even agree but if if the way that you are describing it doesn't describe how they felt it takes you back to that moment to allow you to remember what you felt when you you were there and that was the, the important thing for me particularly with that goal um because it was a strange day. It came on the back end of this, you know, this he's only just back in the team. His form hadn't been great. We weren't sure if this was, you know, have we just committed a load of money to this player who he, he's just, he wants to go to City, all that sort of stuff. We weren't sure. And and the day that we were there, there were there was a load of people over from different places for, for some reason. We had friends over from America who were who were at the game, a friend over from Australia, friends over from Malta, were all there at the same time. And that's what with the regular gang who, who we went to the games with. And where we were on the day is um we were sat on stood on the on the east stand across from Dan, you know, my mate Dan Dan Bedetto, the the books um dedicated to. We were like basically on the same row. So when when he scored, 
the goal, I turned to find, uh, we were celebrating, of course, but I turned and it was almost like Dan was still and I was still in the sea of mayhem. And I'm sure if I had turned back to look on the pitch, Rooney would still be still in the air. Do you know what I mean? It was that kind of moment. He'd still be there. Like, just say, oh, what's happened here as, as time stood still? And he looked what I felt like I looked like. Do you know, like, what has just happened? And, yeah, you do. I, I wanted to try and get that across in the book, This that feeling of not only that it felt that way and, you know, it kept coming as it did after the transfer request, the fact that it was against City with the noisy neighbours, all that sort of stuff. But also the fact that um, it was about the moment and it was about the experience and and to sort of remind you that football is at its best when that is the case. So I was very, very aware of that. And on some of those moments, particularly that one, I was very keen to try and make sure that um, I articulated it in a way that even if it's not like this is how you would feel exactly how I felt, that it would transport you to remember how you felt at that time. I'm glad you answered it that way. That's that's, that's the kind of answer I wanted, actually, the fact that, yeah, I'm just writing and it's just coming and flowing. I'm glad that it was it, it was it was a conscious, it was a thought, it was it was in, it's an important part of his career. And also that's the I mean it's the cover as well, isn't it? It's the cover of the book. That also, wonderful cover. Yeah, I, I and obviously I didn't know that at the time they yeah. would be the cover, but obviously it was one of those. The other thing is that like I said, I've been preparing to write this book for such a long time that I've been preparing those kind of things in my head for a long time. You know, so I've been, you know, you've been thinking, how would I write about this? How would I describe that? How would I describe the build-up and everything? Even like, you know, going back to, cause it's all set in the scene in the the game, the game against West Brom when there was a, he was brought on when the, and it was a 2-2 draw and the atmosphere was really bad. This was the day before the transfer news broke and everything like that. So, uh, the transfer request broke. So, He's sort of setting the scene of this like long build to to this moment, and in, and obviously what followed because we won the title um, that season. Um, yeah, you have to think. Of, well, you don't have to think about it, but when you're a writer and you've written this many books and you know that ones you're going to be writing about something in particular, then obviously you're naturally inclined to think, oh, I've got to make sure that I remember to say this or remember to say that or remember that I felt this or that I saw this or I saw that. So yeah, yeah, it's great insight to how the writer thinks. Um, for me, probably one of the most surprising part of the book comes near the end, and it's a, it's a here-it-is moment of where he is now. I know we've already touched on about him being a manager at um, Derby, but you write and quote how he loved working under Louis van Gaal, and yet we as fans hated the football. What, what is it about the forensic detail of van Gaal's coaching style that Rooney admired, and yet the football that was served up was I guess boring in the extreme. Is it looking to the future of Rooney, the manager, who's going to be quite technical, quite detailed? And can we ever see him in the old Trafford dugout? Yeah, it's, I don't know really what. It, I mean, it might have been the indulgence, the fact that he was indulged from day one in a way that, you know, um, Moyes had to indulge him because he, had, he was basically. He started in a very difficult position, Moyes, and he needed to keep hold of Rooney, so he needed to be indulged. Van Gaal didn't need to indulge people, and he famously didn't. So if you know if you weren't in his good books, then you were gone. So I guess in a certain way, there was like a badge of honour to be indulged by him, and the way that he was mm. at the time when everyone was saying that he was on the decline, 
would have been an ego boost for Rooney as well. Um, the other stuff, the tactical stuff and the stuff, I mean, Rooney was, he, after a year of Van Gaal being there, Rooney and Carrick confronted Van Gaal about the training and everything like that. But um, Van Gaal, um, he sort of disregarded that, didn't he? It's, it's not necessarily a, a confrontation, more a, a discussion. And I think even that, those kind of things, Rooney like appreciated. And he was only really there for two years. It felt like a long two years. But um, I guess when you've you've won everything that there is to win, and you're still at a relatively high level, and you've got the security of a long term contract in you, the captain. I guess there's a kind of investment that tolerates underperformance because you want to be seen to be understanding what the manager's trying to deliver. I really don't know. It's a very fascinating period in United history, and particularly with um, with Rooney, because he went on to say, didn't he? And I don't know if this is the king kind of thing that he works with. Maybe it was just a, a dig at Fergie, but saying that Van Gaal was the best coach that he'd worked with. Um, and, and remember Rooney worked with Mourinho as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I don't know. In, in terms of like you know what he's going to do as a manager, that's the thing that we don't know, right? You see all the other stuff, the intangibles. Like he obviously can get the Derby players fighting for him, and so you would presume that he can. That's the quality that he's got within him to make players fight for him, which is a very difficult thing that you can't take for granted if that lasts. If it's not just because of the situation that they're in. The other stuff, like, is he is he tactically aware as a manager? Can he play good football as a manager? Is he able to do that at the high level, which aren't easy things to do? They're all the things that we're waiting to see, right? I think if that's that part of it's impossible to predict, but all the other stuff is the stuff that you might have said over the last few years that United have been lacking. You know, the the lack of desire, the lack of knowing what it takes. I mean, Solskjaer knew what it took, but obviously wasn't very effective in translating that message to the squad because they weren't playing in the same way that Solskjaer did. Maybe Rooney would be more effective at translating that message for a, new, a modern footballer. It seems like he's doing, uh, you know, a derby at least. So maybe he could do that at United. Maybe he'd be less accepting of standards. Solskjaer was a public face. He'd, he'd very much talk highly of the players. Maybe Rooney wouldn't be like that maybe point the finger the other way around that kind of thing i it's what i always thought i always thought that when Mourinho was a manager it was an inevitability that he would end up at united i'm not saying i, I definitely feel like that with rooney but i feel more strongly about that and by the way this is going to come out in a certain way so i hope people listening to this don't think i'm saying rooney should be next manager i'm not i'm talking four or five years down the line I feel that there's more an inevitability that Rooney would be a United manager than probably anyone else in football. I'm talking Tenog and Pochettino. These are players, uh, managers who people mention with a Conte. They mention with a job all the time. But there's something about them that I'm thinking of. Well, there's obviously a reservation. You're not quite sure. Do they really fit United? Blah, blah, blah. But it just feels like the trajectory of Rooney and um, United seems like it will meet again at some point. Excellent. Um, before we go, Wayne, um, a couple of quick ones. Firstly, what is your favourite Rooney moment? Um, yeah, it's, it's the one that I described in the book, uh, in the conclusion, because you try and think of the goals. It's the question that everyone always asks, uh, what, what's your favourite goal? Like we did, we already talked about the overhead kick and everything like that. But it, I think the moment is the 
the Champions League debut, the debut for United, because I, I was there with my brother and it was just that feeling afterwards that the buzz that you've got after, because, I mean, you're watching it unfold and it, it unfolds and it's happening so fast that, you know what I mean? It's like, oh my God, is this happening? And then afterwards when you're walking, we went back to the train, you know, so getting on the tram and stuff like that and you're just walking down the road thinking, oh my God, what have we just watched? We kind of want to watch it again, do you know, but you, won't, you know it won't be the same, but oh, we, what have we experienced? And it's only really like you're thinking, what have we experienced? Because it's kind of like you think that you've seen something incredible, but you only really will know that in 20 years. Yeah. To know how incredible it was. And and at that time, we felt as sure as anything that you'd seen the start of something really special. Um, and obviously we had, and I think that that's the thing that stays in my mind. I, I, obviously, every, every England fan who was at Euro 2004 would have probably felt similar, you know, and for, from an England point of view, or even Everton fans who were there when they saw him score against Ever, uh, Arsenal. But to be there that night and to sort of remember it. Also, like, this isn't a thing about match going fans or anything like that, because it's not, and for a long time, you know, I haven't always been to matches. But when you go to a match and you've got a memory that's from a special game, something special's happened, and your memory, let's say, is from an angle that isn't seen by the television, like the two the two angles that I've got that I always remember, are I was in the North Stand for both of these games, the, the Newcastle volley and the Fenerbahce debut, and you don't see replays of those goals no. scored from that angle. So I've got that imprinted in my memory forever. Do you know what I mean? And that that's makes it a little bit different because it's you've seen it a little bit differently. Um, yeah, um, that, that's it for me. That is debut. Uh, what about you, Mike? I'll ask you. Um, I'm pretty sure. First, I think I think we played away at Charlton. I think, and um, I think that was the first time that um, we we sang the Rooney song. Yeah. Pretty sure the, the white Pele one, and it, it was just all we were just all buzzing. Pretty sure that it, I'm pretty sure that was um that, that's something that, that that I remember in terms of just just the song, just you know just you know, it, it was a great chant, and um, you know sung it everywhere, home away, and and that it was, was a whole track for the other night as well. Yes, it was. Night. Yeah, absolutely, was. Yeah, and that for me is also part of the Rooney story that he had this great chant as well, and yeah. Um, yeah, well, we know he's not Pele, but he he was great for United. He really was great. So that that's probably one of them. But um, you know, there's loads, isn't there? There's loads. It's just the goals, the way. I, I tell you one that just popped into my head, and and I remember reading it as well. Is what he did when he was at DC United. That was Rooney, yeah. where he tracked back, got the ball, turned it around, and they, yeah. they went and scored the winner. I mean, that that's him. That's the playground footballer. That's the teenager who ruled the world. That was it. Lastly, Wade, last question, and I always ask you this. What's next for you? Any new projects you can tell us about? Um, Sammy McElroy autobiography is out in a few weeks. Um, and then the uh, biography of Duncan Edwards, which I've, I've finished, and just waiting to sort of hear news on publications to fly. But we found a home for it. I'm very happy. It's the right Lovely. place for it. Um, I'm really excited about um, how that's going to come across. That's I'm, an authorised one, isn't it? So the family. Yeah, author, authorised. I'm with his family. I've worked with his family. Interviewed his family for it as well. Brilliant. So that, um, yeah, it's very, 
there's a lot of new information in there about Duncan. Um, and there's some other stuff, Mike, I'm sworn to secrecy, but I've, I'm working on something at the moment that's really, really exciting. It's really good, but I'll, t- I'll talk about it off air because me and you I can't, it's not one that I can't. Make My lips are sealed as always. Brilliant, Wayne. That's it. Um, the book is out now. Um, tell everyone how they can interact with you on, on, on social media. Um, they can talk to me on Wayne S. Barton, um, on Twitter and on, um, on Instagram as well. Excellent. So, Wayne, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on your latest book. I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon about. Sammy's book and the Duncan Edwards book. And as always, been an absolute pleasure. Um, this has been Mike Pieri. You've been listening to the No Trofters podcast. You can find us on YouTube, on Twitter, on at Shoot the Defence. My Twitter is at Stel Pieri. And until next time, goodbye.